Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome, everyone. I'm Jason McKnight. I'm here with Ben Hendricks, and we're glad you're with us. Ben, I got a question for you. Let's think all the way back <laughs> to when you're 10 or 12 years old. Were you big for your age? You know, I've been, ever since I read this script, I've been wondering, where, where are you going with this? What, <laughs> what are you asking? Of course I was. <laughs> big and beautiful, weren't you? And you've been rubbing it in since. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like you played baseball, you were an athlete. Were you strong and muscular? Were you kind of fat and pudgy? Would you, were you normal? Were you, I mean, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> I was always in between. Uh, if you look back at my family photos, it's, it's really funny. You can, I went, I was always in between kind of two major points. I was either the, the chubby kid or I was really tall and really skinny. It just, I would hit growth spurts over and over again. Uh, so if that's where you're stuck at. Unless you're the over the age of eighteen, there's hope for you. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that growth spurt is not coming when yeah, you're twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I always grew up as a pretty normal sized kid relative to everyone in my in my age. Like like I kinda grew in the in the fifty percentile of what okay. the growth was supposed to be. But we did have a kid in our class in grade school, uh, his name was Kevin and he was really, really, really short. Aww. Plus he also sucked his thumb in third grade. But anyway, he was really short and I know I'm dying to find him today to see if he ever grew, to see if he could finally grow. And, you know, it's amazing as we think about growing, you know, in grade school or in uh, when I got into later teen years and want to put on muscle mass and, you know, growing in the gym, you need rest, you need activity and strengthening stuff. You need um, good calories, Mm. food that goes in. uh, And also there's genetics involved. Um, And this leads us into what we want to talk about today. Yeah, just over the last, uh, I mean, couple of months for sure, but definitely the last couple of years. And I've been thinking about this, and you've already thought a lot about this before, but we've just kind of been thinking through what does it take for a Christian to grow? Like, what are the Mm -hmm. things that, I mean, this is a question that, I mean, as someone who's in student ministry, I look at our students and... Ultimately, we're always we're all on a path to somewhere, and we're all, God is making us all into someone. Uh, and the question is for us is like, if when we look at when I look at our students, like what are those things hmm. that all of them have in common, that all of us that have in common, that all of us as believers have in common, for those who have vibrant, exciting, uh, but like not just exciting, but like healthy walks with the Lord. Yeah. And because the truth is, it's not always exciting. And some of these are just not, but they're essential. Mm-hmm. And they're, so, they're such a helpful part uh, and a needed part of a, of a walk with the Lord that ultimately leads to just a good walk with the Lord. And so we, what we've kind of come up with today are what are, what are a couple simple uh, ways to grow uh, just as Christians mm-hmm. uh, that kind of four essential things we think will and a couple other things uh three major areas sorry three major areas that we we believe that are essential just to your walk with the lord and so mm-hmm. kind of we we think of these uh as we were just processing through this in three specific areas right yeah. and that's your identity in christ mm-hmm. uh which i know you're going to do most of the heavy lifting on and then uh our act activity with Christ, which I'll kind of just go off on for a little bit. And then uh, very interesting, 
One secret weapon in Christ. Secret weapon. Stay tuned. Ooh. <laughs> Don't get home from work too early. Yeah, you'll have to drive around the neighborhood. <laughs> a drive times. around the neighborhood. Well, okay, so we'll tackle identity in Christ, and then you're going to tackle activity in Christ. Then we'll talk about the secret weapon. Um, uh, okay, so let's talk about our identity in Christ, because if you're going to grow, just like my poor friend Kevin in grade school, his genetics were just small. <laughs> he couldn't grow because he had small genetics. Well, uh, you know, and I saw his parents. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, but, 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 and it's not that. Anyway, so you and I, we actually, when we come to Christ, we have genetics. Hmm. Like God implants into us an identity, a genetic code that now there are things true of us in Jesus, whether or not we know it. Hmm. And that's a really interesting thing because on the one hand, we can think, oh, the, my growth is all about me. I got to do all these things. And yeah, yeah, just like eating good calories, getting enough rest, uh, exercising and stuff helps your physical growth. Yes, there are things we do to help our spiritual growth, but also to know that God has implanted in us certain things that are true of us and will not change no matter if you know them or not. Yeah. So know them, you can grow in them. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's just it's yeah. just that simple. And um, I think of, you know, we could probably talk about 30 truths of our identity in Christ, but let's just talk about a couple. Yeah. Number one, our sins are forgiven. When we believe in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. This is a big deal. Yeah. The cross is more powerful than our sins. Why is this a big deal? Because the devil treads me down all the time. Either on the one hand, you're, you've done so many bad things that he, he tolerates you, God tolerates you, but he doesn't really love you. Mm. <laughs> uh, no. Jesus bore the sins of the cross. Or another one is, oh, God will forgive you the first time, the second time, the third time. He's not going to forgive you the 907th time. Mm. No, he will. I mean, your sins are forgiven at the cross. The penalty is gone. It's nailed to the cross. Your identity, your birthright in Jesus is forgiveness. I think to take, you know, to put on the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith, take out of the um, devil's hands, at least as he kind of throws darts in your head, the idea that God couldn't forgive you, God hasn't forgiven you, God won't forgive Mm. forgive you. But the genetic code of a Christian is that you're forgiven. Hallelujah. Yeah, because I actually think so many of us really do believe that God kind of, at times like regrets the cross, like because of our sin. Like yeah. kind of looks at it and he's like, "Gosh, I went through all that, and I did that for you." Like I, I, <laughs> for you, and you're <laughs> and you're asking forgiveness again for yeah. this, you know? Like, or yeah, no. And it's interesting too. Like like you know, forgiven. Okay, so it's really easy to control your anger. When you don't have kids, it's really hard as your kids become terrible twos, terrible threes, and then onwards, terrible 14-year-olds. worse. <laughs> We're about to hit one. Like, they oh, make no. you so mad. Well, like, I thought I was a great guy, at least anger-wise, you know, because I just wasn't mm-hmm. in positions where all the buttons were pushed yeah. when I'm 22 and 23 and 24 and 25 single. But now all of a sudden you're married. Now all of a sudden you have kids. And it's like, oh, there's a whole new area of me <laughs> that... Jesus forgave that I didn't even know really needed forgiveness. I had a little self-deception. Yeah. Anyway, forgiven. Okay. How about uh, another thing about our identity in Jesus is that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are not the Holy Spirit's beach house where he sometimes comes and sometimes goes. He lives in you if you belong to him. We love Christmas. Why? Because God the Son came to earth. We need to love Pentecost with that Mm. same. Let's have a Pentecost tree. Let's give Pentecost gifts. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Let's sing Pentecost carols and have a Pentecost turkey because <laughs> the Spirit of God left heaven. I like, I like the idea of Pentecost presents. <laughs> I mean, I'm I feel all good over this. But the deal is we sometimes feel like, well, sure, God's with me when I'm in a Bible study. Hmm. But no, God's also with you when you're afraid. God's also with you when, you know, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When are you grieving the Holy Spirit? When you're sinning. God's also with you then. And he's not a stranger. He loves us. Mm -hmm. So again, our identity in Jesus, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He's there always, always ready to, for us to call on him so that he can guide us, cheer us, convict us, Mm -hmm. help us, lead us. Forgiven and dwelt. I mean, these are big things. Adopted as sons and daughters and heirs. Now, in the ancient world, adoption is not of babies. They just killed the babies. Hmm. There were no unwanted babies in the ancient world. They were just killed. Infanticide was practiced as a societal norm. Yeah. Aren't you glad this isn't the worst society in history where we live today? Sometimes people think that. Yeah, it's true. No, there's still... But in the ancient world, well, what was adoption if it wasn't out of sheer compassion for little ones? No, it wasn't. It was a business proposition. (laughs) You had an estate and you have no kids. So what do you do? You have to adopt someone to give your estate to. Hmm. And that's what God has done for us in Jesus. He's made us joint heirs with Christ. He has made us an heir. When he adopts us, it's because what, what, a, what a, uh, in the Roman world, a patriarch would adopt a servant who had proven trustworthy. Wait a minute, I didn't prove trustworthy. No, and that's where the grace is. <laughs> that's where the grace is. But the deal is he's adopted us and adoption is irrevocable. And he's given us everything. So these are a couple of our identities in Christ, or, or, or a couple of aspects of our new genetic code now that we belong to Jesus. We're adopted. We're forgiven. We're indwelt. Three of them. We can go on for another 10. We're not going to. The point is, do you know this? Do you apprehend this? Do you love this? Just like I love, you know, kind of the, the hair I got from my grandfather or the, you know, my brother's hands look just like my father's hands. Why? The genetics are there. Yeah. You know, I mean, these things, we're adopted in Jesus, heirs with Christ of God's whole estate. Mm. <laughs> That's just unbelievable. Do you think you're ever going to, do you think you'll ever be in a situation where God won't provide? No, he's mm. adopted you. He's given you everything you need. So anyway, our identity in Christ, everywhere you go reading scripture, read and figure out Hey, is this a thing about my identity? Is this a thing about what God is declaring me to be because I belong to Jesus? It's going to help you grow. And if you just kind of jot it down on a post-it note and think about it all day, it's going to help you grow because Mm -hmm. genetics matter. Our identity matters. Stuff we didn't do a thing for. But now let's move on to activity in Christ because growing Christians also seem to do things that can coalesce around certain themes or certain practices that bring for growth, like rest and exercise and healthy eating for for your physical body. What are some of those rest and healthy uh, eating and exercise that will help our spiritual growth? Yeah, because if... If your identity in Christ is those things, and there's, it's even more than those things, right? 100%. And so when we are saved, we are given this new identity, and these things are now true of us. What's interesting, and we rarely think of these things in this way, but what I want to give us is four ways that actually like apply those as truths hmm. and help us understand, realize, and experience 
those realities and those truths because like so many things in life, we don't always know that they're true until we really experience them. Mm. And so, so often that happens with so many of the things that we do at church. Like they're actually, uh, we don't like the word rites and rituals and uh, like all these little fun little thing, like words, like we've, we've kind of moved past those in some ways. And I say that a little sarcastically, uh, but they're still helpful. And so I want to give you four mm-hmm. things yeah. of like th- four activities that we're calling them activities in Christ mm-hmm. that I have found that are essential yeah. to a vibrant walk with the Lord. And here's what's funny is none of these will be a shocker to anyone. We've all heard all four of these, but we need the reminder that all four of these make up kind of the, the base of the, I don't know, the kind of the, your walk with Christ mm-hmm. stew. Like it's the base of it. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's cold today and we're making soup at home. So that's all I can think of, but I got we you. Are, man. I love, uh, I love soup. And so just, and, and kind a of little a dash of yeah, this, yeah. a pinch of that. And well, this is the base, right? This is the, the uh-huh. yeah, the roux. Yep. I didn't think anyone was, I wasn't sure if Rue was going to be popular. Anyways, okay. So kind of a testimony to how standard and basic these are. Uh, I spent a, a little while thinking through these. I did, I did the hard work of coming up with them, put those in big quotes. And then I, I was like, you know what? Maybe someone else has thought this before. And that's where I found, uh, do you remember talking about this? Andy yeah. Stanley's book, Wide and Deep or mm-hmm. something along those. Deep and Wide. Or Deep and Wide, one of those. And, and, he, and he's got his five faith catalysts and it's eerily similar to my for faith. We took his five and we made them better. Yeah. So we concised uh, it. Down. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so let me give you those four yeah. uh, and we'll just kind of go one at a time and walk through those. But the four as a whole is just uh, a clear biblical input, mm-hmm. personal discipline, individual investment and intentional community mm. that we believe that these four, if you apply them to your life, if you start using them, if you make them a part of your walk with the Lord, you will take steps in your walk with the Lord that you I actually believe this, never could have imagined that you would take. 100%. And so to kind of go through them one by one to explain them a little bit is the very first one is clear biblical input. And so what, even when I'm thinking about this, I most often think of clear and practical biblical preaching and teaching. Mm-hmm. I think of a Sunday morning. I think for us, a Sunday evening or Wednesday evening, like mm-hmm. in the middle for youth group or for mm-hmm. club three, four, five, or even uh, what we do at house churches, yeah. like actual, very clear, but also practical and applicational teaching. Like are, are the, are the streams that you're learning from, they actually helping you be able to apply the things that you're knowing, because it's not just about having the knowledge in your head, right? Mm-hmm. We like, we know this, that knowledge puffs up and unused knowledge is really worthless in some ways, but knowledge that you can take about the Bible, about, I mean, of scripture, of ultimately of, of yourself and, but most importantly of the Lord, like those are the things when you can take that knowledge and apply it to what you're going to do, to who you are, to what you think of yourself, that identity in Christ stuff, that's life changing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, right and of right course, on. so this is practical stuff. This is the faithful stuff. This is like the gospel mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the question like to ask, I think, uh, if you're listening to this or that we can even ask ourselves is like, wherever you are, whatever streams you're taking in from, whether that's Grace Fellowship Church on Sundays, or maybe you're a student who just comes to our student ministry on Sunday nights, or you're just listening to podcasts, and, you, and you, maybe you're in a spot where you don't think church is for you right now, but you can just listen online or listen to podcasts or just read your own Bible. Like, are you learning? 
from where you're getting your content from? And are you able to apply what you're learning? Because one of the most helpful parts of sermons is not just the content, but it's the actual application. Mm, That's where the life change yeah, is coming yeah, from. Yeah. And for so often, like we can get stuck in the spot of, I know it, but I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Are the people mm-hmm. that you're learning from, is the content you're taking in, is it helping you learn, but is it also helping you apply it? Yeah, We need that clear biblical input. But it's not just Sunday morning stuff, is it? It's also mm-hmm. being able to just kind of your practical input intake of Scripture. Like, well, I was you're a hundred percent true. True is that together corporately, whether Bible study, house church, youth group, Sunday morning, that idea, but also personally, the Bible input, the biblical input, the yeah. the Lord. Here's me. Here's my Bible. Would you give me something mm-hmm. and and let Him? Um, I think that that. Reading and dwelling and then that studying and memorizing where you slow right down and chew on things, that's a huge deal yeah. also where God, like a, like a person who's never in the Word on their own, are they growing? Like yeah. that's the deal. And I know, like I remember you telling us when you first came to Christ, you had a job where you had a couple hours in the morning where you were stocking shelves in the back and so forth, and you would listen to sermon after sermon. And that's a really good thing. But also... To say, Lord, here's me, here's my Bible, teach me. Yep. And that's a good thing, too. Like, I, I like that. I went through a phase with a buddy. We were in co- uh, you know, college and early 20s. And we some, for some reason, somebody got us on memory work. And we did a lot of memorizing. And, I, I mean, I always did memorizing, like, in Sunday school. We had to, like, just like our kids in the, in the uh, Grove, they're memorizing each week and each month. Um, and you know, I don't know how many of those when I was in third grade are still in my head, Yeah. <laughs> but, but they had us doing it and I got the lollipop and all yeah. that stuff. But I do know, I do know that when I was doing that memory work with my buddy Don, we pushed each other and it made a difference in my life. Like, because all of a sudden I saw in situations Elsewhere that the Lord would bring a phrase of the scripture I'd memorize. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring the whole thing in the memory, just a little phrase or a little, a little thought that w- was reflective of that. Like it was like I was giving him ammo to shoot me in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway, that was an interesting thing like that. Yeah. Not only the personal dwelling or studying in scripture, but also this idea of memorizing and giving the spirit stuff to, to work on. Yeah, which leads us right into the second one, which is just personal discipline. Really? Because the beauty of these is like these aren't, separate entities yeah, these are right. separate things they're all bl- they're kind of blurred together i mean as you're doing one it leads you into the second yeah and so sure. part of that clear biblical input is personal de- discipline mm. so are you reading your bible are you mm. in that every day like to make a habit of it i mean one of the things we i talk about in the student ministry all the time is five minutes a day five times a week will change your life yeah now if you're only if it's only five minutes two years in you probably need a little like to, to add to it, but five minutes a day, five times a week is going to change your life mm-hmm. when you've never spent any time in there. So are you spending time in God's word? Are you spending time with God himself? It's funny, almost every one of my, uh, every sermon that I ever preached to our students ends with application that's somehow based around in this world is mm-hmm. making sure that we, we're somehow in some way spending time with God. And, and that's because your heart is for their growth. And yeah, you know absolutely. It. Yeah. And, it's, and so because I know they're getting the clear biblical input because I mm-hmm. try to make it as practical and as helpful as, as I can. And then we're always trying to apply it to, so you need that investment, which we'll mm-hmm. get to in just a second. Mm-hmm. 
And so part of one of the easiest ways to do that is open your Bible for five minutes yeah. and ask the Lord to do something amazing mm-hmm. because he wants to and he, and he can and he will especially when we really commit to it. So are you in God's Word? Are you spending time with Him in prayer? Uh, I mean, what an amazing thing it is to be able to have like a one-on-one connection, to have a conversation with the Creator of all things. Now, we kind of miss that a lot of times because it doesn't feel that special because we don't hear Him speak back. Mm -hmm. But so many of us can think of times where we ask Him questions, we ask for insights, we ask for help, and very few of us have the, and I heard of the answer. Yeah. But yet somewhere along the way through his sovereignty, through his power, we found the right answer. We found, mm-hmm. we, like mm-hmm. we found the direct, like we, we got the motivation or whatever it was because God is listening. God does care. He's invested and he enjoys that conversation. And sometimes those conversations are you just being frustrated. Yeah. But are you carrying on that conversation? Are you reading your Bibles? Are you praying? And then the one that I often talk about, which is a whole circle of itself, like, are you surrounded by people who also are leading you and pushing you closer to Jesus? Hmm. For student ministries, this is huge. Yeah. Because your friends will often influence the direction of your life. Like, and that's just helpful to know. So are you spending time with God? That's the question I often bring up with our students. Are you spending time with Him? Because if you're not, you're not going to grow in the ways that you can, in the ways that He wants you to. Because you can't grow in God without God. Right. (laughs) It's just like that. My marriage ain't so great if I'm never with Susan. It's true. So clear biblical input, personal discipline, which is a lot of the application of that. Mm -hmm. But then here's one that I think we often forget, and it's called individual investment. Because it's one thing to go and go to church and hear it. It's another thing to go and apply it personally to your mm. to like your life to your study. Yeah. But yep. then it's a whole other thing when you just individually apply it to your life. And so the question I often ask our students and I and I just try to lead people into is are are you bought in? Are you investing into what God is doing? Are you inve- because all over the church are opportunities to be involved, mm. to be invested. Yeah. And there's this weird little thing where it's 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 kind of hard to grow when you're not invested. Like God uses his church, he uses ministries as opportunities for us to grow. Like they're not just like this thing, like we've got to go serve here or, you know, the service is going to be really loud and then it won't be as good. It's like, no, like these are all opportunities. No matter how annoying that ministry might be in that moment, no matter how bad those middle school boys smell, it's worth it, right? Because it's an, it's an opportunity to invest and to be invested in because God works through Yes, that sermon. Yes, your personal quiet time. But he can also change a lot of your life by just serving, by being invested. And he, we do that. He does that through lots of stuff. So are you invested like with your time? Mm-hmm. Are you invested with your money? Like That's a helpful one. Yeah, where your treasure is, there your heart goes. Yep. And then one for our students that I often talk about is, are you invested like publicly? So with your friends, mm-hmm. do they know what you're about? Yeah. Because for a lot of them, it's like it's one thing to kind of have that on the side and to be someone different at school. But when those worlds kind of collide, it's a game changer. When you can be who you are at church, at school, it's a game changer. And so for our, our grown-ups, our adults, like are, are you the same person at church that you are at work? Can you be the person at church that you are at work or at home or wherever you are? Hmm. It's interesting, individually mm-hmm. invested. Mm-hmm. So clear biblical input, personal discipline, individual investment, and then the very last one, is intentional community. Hmm. I mean, one of the things that uh, 
I know that we do super well here at Grace is we spend a lot of time trying to get people plugged in into community because there's so much life change that happens in community. But not the reality is it's not just any community. It's not just being a part of an organization or being part of a club because if that was true, any community would do. But an intentional one. One where people you know actually know some of those things that no one else knows about you. Hmm. Uh, in, in the student ministry, we call these, uh, these are like these high intentional uh, community groups. We call them life on life groups. And I always am trying to invite people into them because one of the things I know that they, most of students don't have are people around them who know all of their secrets, who know all of their stuff and know all of their weaknesses and maybe even their heart and their desire for things. And I know they need that. Hmm. And so inviting them into that is an opportunity into freedom, but also into the Lord to do something incredible. But what, here's what's crazy is, is if that's true for our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, how true is it for some of our grownups too, for our adults, right? Like I, I see the fruit of this all the time in their parents at house church, yeah. in whatever house church they're in. Because intentional community is about having people who are around you, who you've invited into your mess because the truth is, we, we've all got a mess. <laughs> we've all got a and mess. And we've all got a little heartache. We've all got some struggle. And life is easier in community. Like, mm-hmm. life is better together. Mm-hmm. I harp on that all the time to our students because it, have people in your life. Have people in your life who can speak into your life and also have the people who can just hear you and listen to you because we need intentional community. And, I, I mean, I really do believe it's for our students but also for our adults I mean, it doesn't matter if you're single, if you've been married for 30 years. It doesn't matter if you've walked to the Lord for a couple moment, or a couple minutes or for decades. If we have these four things, if we have clear biblical input, personal discipline, individual investment, and intentional community, your walk with the Lord will take a step into vibrancy that I don't think we've ever seen before, that most of us have never felt before. Even like, because the great news is many of us are doing these. And... So you don't have to have all four of them exactly to grow. You just have yeah. to start in each of them, yeah. and God grows. I you. think that's helpful to say too, because during like and look, I I just know for me, like at different seasons, I'm doing one or two or three of these better than I am the other one. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. of them, it's like that one's completely fallen off. I mean, I remember right when Harper was born, it was like it felt like our intentional community fell off pretty bad mm-hmm. because it just was God hard to get you out a of the new house. one. Yeah, right. You're trying to figure that one out. You're trying to confess your secrets to her, and she doesn't care. She yells at you. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I had to up some of the other ones because it was like, mm-hmm. ultimately, and remember, these are not like these, they're not these ways to measure how much, like, how, like, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but these aren't things to measure up to or how to earn God's favor in your walk with the Lord. Like, as if, if one of these falls short, if you're not doing so well in one of these, like how he's mad at you or he's kind of passive aggressive, he's like, mm-hmm. well, I know you're doing this one, but gosh, you're really falling short in individual investment. Like, are you really, like, he's not saying that. Right. Like, all these are our full four opportunities or tools that we all have at our fingertips right now. Like, you don't have to know a ton about the Bible. You don't have to, I mean, it doesn't matter what church, like, you can be in a community and you have these opportunities and these tools at your fingertips and they will ignite your faith mm-hmm. because they're bedrocks of it. Yeah. And if you ask someone, hey, how's your walk with the Lord going? And they're saying, uh, you know, I'm kind of dry right now. 
it's kind of like a great little, hey, let's think of these four. How are they mm-hmm. doing there? And, and probably, like, you, you kind of mentioned this, like, maybe, maybe a couple of those have just fallen off the wagon. Like, yeah. it, it's sort of a, a bit of a, a quick test to yeah. say, yeah, how, how am I doing? Because, yeah, I mean, we were just processing that earlier. It was like, it feels like every relationship kind of has those couple of things where it's like, if, they, if that relationship's not going so well, maybe it's like in your marriage or something or with your kid. Like, you, you don't just check how the car, like, like well, how... Mm-hmm. Let's check the oil in the car. No, you yeah. you check certain things of the relationship, mm-hmm. and so these are kind of four key places that if you're if if you if you find that your walk with the Lord has grown a little stale, it's mm-hmm. not as vibrant as maybe you want it to be, or maybe it once was. These are four places to start in, to check and go. Well, how how is my biblical input? How are my personal disciplines? Mm-hmm. How is my individual investment? Do I have an intentional community? Because if your walk does feel stale, it could be because of one of these four, a little fall. I've fallen short just a little bit. No, it's good. It's good. And God stands there with grace upon grace upon grace to meet you yes. in the first step of activity. Just like you with Harper, when she takes her first step, you are with her, holding her hands, helping her along, encouraging her, coaching her. You're not yeah. on the couch saying, oh, it's about time, Harper. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's also not if you have to, you have to get A's in all of these. <clears throat> to be able to get anywhere with the Lord. Like, right. I'll never 100%. forget, I try to tell this as often as I can to people, on the clear biblical input, when I first was walking with the Lord, like, my motivation was reading the Old Testament because the tribe of Benjamin had my name in it. Like, <laughs> and the Lord drew me in with that. Like, how self-centered is that? <laughs> but I was convinced I was going to learn something about me. Oh, but if God can use that... Mm-hmm. That's not clear biblical input. <laughs> that is not clear biblical input, but he But drew I had you a couple in. of the other, these other ones yep. that help out. You're right. And he <laughs> used it to draw you in, like you were saying. Yeah. Like that's it. Well, okay, let's talk about a secret weapon. So okay. identity in Christ, there are certain things once you belong to Jesus that are true of you. If you know them, if you grow in them, if you rest on them. Okay, great. Activity in Christ, clear biblical input, personal discipline really investing yourself in Jesus through doing other things and then intentional community, other people following Jesus. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now there's a secret weapon. Mm. Okay. So on top of all that, it's not that you pick one of these different areas. It's that all of them are true. And if you want to grow in Christ, hey, all of these are true. Your identity, some activity, the secret weapon, you cannot grow in Jesus without this. You can pretend, but you can't grow in Jesus without humility. Mm-hmm. humbling ourselves humbling ourselves especially when we're wrong or when we're wronged so humbling ourselves to seek forgiveness or humbling ourselves to extend forgiveness without humility without a spirit of grace we're not living near the king i'm just telling you mm-hmm. <laughs> humility is the currency of the kingdom you cannot be in this kingdom without i mean this is the only kingdom in world history where you enter on your knees mm-hmm. And we never get off our knees in God's ways, except that he's the lifter of our heads. See, I want to be the lifter of my head, but he is. Mm -hmm. So humble ourselves to ask God's forgiveness at the beginning. That's how we get in. We all get it. But then we forget that, oh, wait, you mean like being humble before God and others may be the way I want? I'm supposed to live? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Um, this this is the identity of the kingdom. I mean, it's just the same for all of us. Um, you know, we all we've all been in the conversation where there's the moment we know we went too far, or we've all had the thought life where we know we're over the line, or the moment in our actions 
that internally we grasp we're out of bounds. What are we going to do at that moment? Hmm. Well, the secret weapon of growing in Jesus is this. Own it. <laughs> Confess it. Renounce it. Make it right. Keep moving in Jesus. Um, those who are growing in Christ face their wrong head on and have the humility to acknowledge a misstep. And they seek the forgiveness of God and of the person they've hurt. The telltale sign of a Christian who isn't growing? Stonewalling, rationalizing, comparing, gaslighting, stalling, all those kinds of things. I'm not that bad. I'm certainly not as bad as them. It's not what you think, but if you knew what I went through. See, all those are just escape clauses to keep me from humbling myself. Because they've forgotten that humility and forgiveness are the currency of the kingdom. Not just seeking forgiveness, but also extending forgiveness. Because isn't it fun when someone wrongs you to have that little bit over them? <laughs> oh, wait, my humility's no. out the window. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so, I mean, to give up my right to revenge and payback, to give up my right to hold something over someone else. Robertson McQuilkin, former president of CIU, wrote a great little book on forgiveness. And he says, what is forgiveness? Okay, it's relinquishing the resentment and absorbing the debt. Well, both of those take humility. And when we're forgiving, we're never more like Jesus. Hmm. I mean, you want to be Christ-like? That's what we're talking about, a whole podcast on growing in Jesus. Oh, you mean when I extend forgiveness, I become more like Christ than anything else. See, I can lead 100 Bible studies, but when I extend forgiveness to someone who's wronged me, that makes me look more like Jesus. Wow. All right, so a huge litmus test. Humility, forgiveness, both seeking it and extending it. It seems to me that on top of all these other things that are awesome and great, boy, there's just, there's just that little litmus test. How's my humility factor? Yeah, and it's frustratingly true. <laughs> it's frustratingly true, Ben. I mean, I, I just find this all to be true all the time. Like, I always want our students to kind of look up to me like, oh, because of all these great things. But I, it's funny. I was actually having a conversation with a couple of students that, you know, one of the most Christ-like moments of like for me to them was not when I delivered that really great sermon or, Mm -hmm. you know, I even got us to camp or like whatever. Right. Like it, it was when I messed up and I said, I was sorry and asked for forgiveness. Like it was humble. Like, I mean, cause it really is that like our most Christ-like moments are our most humble moments. When we're most humble. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, parenting you know, and we learned this from several parents here at Grace, is when we are wrong, even with our kids, we can lecture them about how to say I'm sorry and ask forgiveness. We can lecture them all day long, and we can force a, a formula into their brain so they know what to say. And that's not a bad thing, and we need to. But when we model it hmm. and genuinely ask for forgiveness, uh, that helps them understand grace because yeah. even dad needs grace. Yep. Uh, that helps. And it's so hopeful too, because mm-hmm. if you can honor Christ when you mess up, yeah. I mean, that means you can honor Jesus in any moment. In any other like, thing too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ben, this is good. Well, thank you for doing a lot of, a lot of the hard work on um, what does it take to grow in Christ activity-wise, identity-wise, and even the secret, the secret uh, weapon of humility. Wow, that's the secret weapon? That's not so hard. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. 
Well, uh, keep leading us. Everybody, as you're, um, as you're growing in Christ, just know that His mercies never come to an end. His compassion is new every morning. His faithfulness never changes. And as we want to grow in Him, don't you know He wants that for us? So He's going to take, as you listen to this and share it with a friend, He's going to take that and help you become more like Jesus than ever. And watch what He does through us. Mm. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. And we'll see everyone the next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook.